Welcome back for another episode of You've Never Seen It, my mission to never hear these four words again. I am your host, Allison Salamone, and joining me to discuss 1941's The Maltese Falcon is fellow Humphrey Bogart fan along with me. It is the one and only Eric Muller. Did I say your last name right? Because I didn't did. ask you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's spelled wrong in the sheet, but you said it right. Is it? Did I speak? You? you added an extra E. Don't worry. It happens it's more often good. than you think. It's all good. <laughs> we'll just get there. We 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 one are time. we are nothing if not professional around here. So how I roll, which is why I didn't ask you how to say it before I realized I was about to either fuck it up or say it right. Hey, <laughs> shot. hey, hey, I'm impressed you got it. So congrats. <laughs> we're all uphill from here. That's all that matters. It's like, okay, cool. She's so professional. I love this. Well, <laughs> best, best podcast experience ever. Right here. Awesome. Right here. That, this one right here. Great. This is it. <laughs> Well, welcome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm really excited to have you on. I'm really excited that we get to talk. This is that this is the movie that you chose. But before we dive into why you chose this movie, I Mm -hmm. want you to inform me and all of our tens of listeners and watchers. Where did your love of movies come from and, and start? uh probably for like a lot of us it comes from a parent for me it was my dad uh mm-hmm. he he always talked about the pictures and how they were back <laughs> in his day uh but you know it's just one of those things you know you just, over time you just gain more of appreciation and like the more you watch the more your knowledge base and experiences expand like i was talking to a friend today about like when i saw dogma for the first time in high school when it was released i was actually there at a night with a bunch of protesters so like <laughs> that experience and you know if you ever heard what i forget which one of kevin smith's uh, autobiographies he talks about like there's a difference between film and a movie mm-hmm. and like that's like really started my progress towards understanding there's films and there's movies i still use them interchangeably but I get what they're talking about. Yeah. That's so funny. You got to go watch Dogma with protesters. I went to a Catholic church and was sitting in Sunday mass where the Monsignor of uh, the weekend that movie came out told every single one of us, if you went to go see that movie, we would all be going to hell. And it only made me want to go see it more. See, the best thing is my dad's a Lutheran pastor. So when he <laughs> drops me off, he saw the protesters there. He like whispers like, okay, here's a couple things you can say to them to throw them off. Yeah. And then just go, go. We Catholics are very much the most hypocritical people. Granted, again, raised Catholic, Catholic, not practicing, but I do remember sitting in 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 Sunday mass, getting screamed at, and I'm like, I haven't even gone to see. I'm like, I'm in eighth grade. Right. Like, when am I gonna go see this? Like, what? I was like, Mom, can I go see it? She goes, No, definitely watch it. Sleepover. <laughs> and then someone's around with the ruler stick. I'm gonna get you. Yeah, exactly. So I had friends who had cooler parents that let them watch these things. And that's where I went for my sleepovers. Um, so so now that we talked about that, what is it about when you saw my list? Mm-hmm. Why was the Maltese Falcon one of the ones that you wanted to, to come chat with me about? Because it's like one of those things where it's like, you're looking through your list. I'm like, this is one of the most quintessential films on this list. Like this defines the film noir style. There's a yeah. reason why everyone keeps saying, 
oh, multi, like I know Maltese Falcon wasn't the first film noir, but it is the one that perfected that formula, that style. Whenever you think of the film noir, you know, the grizzled private eye, the damsel in distress, all that comes from this. And also, it's Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> It's Humphrey Bogart. I know. And that was really myself when I saw that. Because I went through with this year um, mm -hmm. when I was cleaning up and and kind of recompiling my list and like taking out the ones that I've covered and adding w new ones to it. I honestly started going through like, I want to say I started in like the 1940s of like best picture nominees for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And this was one of them for 1940, I guess, uh, it was nominated in 1942. So it was nominated for one of the nominees for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. um, and you would think by now I would have like up the list of what it lost to, but I don't. So we're just going to Google it later because, again, because well, we're nothing but professional on nothing this. Nothing but professionals here. And I should have learned from every single one of the episodes beforehand where <laughs> I banter while I pull up the 1942 <laughs> Academy Award list. Um, but it was one of those, and I remember with Humphrey Bogart being, and I was like, okay, I just need to watch this. I had no, and the only the only other Maltese Falcon I know about is the giant, mm -hmm. like, super famous sailing yacht that's, like, yeah. out in the Well, and, like, the one, because my dad actually has a statue of the Maltese Falcon, so, like, I grew up looking at this thing yeah. my entire life. And, like, yeah, trying to go at it with the butter knife, like, ah, <laughs> no! <It's fake. laughs> Meanwhile, if only Sydney, if only the fat man knew that you, right. uh, you guys, you guys had it this whole time, you could just stay alive. <laughs> His estate could find out. <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the things that I have in my notes is that there's many, many people who say that this is the movie to solidify yeah. film noir as a, a genre. And yeah. one of the things that I love, and not only that, is this this movie is a debut for a lot of people. It's John Huston's first film that he directed mm -hmm. it's the it's it's sydney green street's first theatrical role he's right he's talk did, about hitting the ground running <laughs> right and then also now he's senior uh uh fiari in uh in in uh casablanca along you get peter laurie is in here it's just it and every single time like i when i tell you when he turned when you see him in that when you see humphrey bogart in his chair in that opening scene yeah making the cigarette just like i did right american... you imagine him with a white coat on yeah and like i just like i did like in in american when i was watching american graffiti and like uh uh harrison ford finally showed up like as soon as humphrey bard i'm laying like in my bed watching this and I'm going, there he is there, there it is there it is there he is right there God, yeah, we talked about this. Like you said, essential look. Like when you think of the noir detective, it's Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, and no one else ever again. Right, like, it can never be. And that's what they even say. Like again, because if it's on Wikipedia, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of the notes that are written about it is like the way that Humphrey Bogart played this character. Everyone else who was playing a lot of these actors, right, that was the note. Noir, that's what they that's what they wanted to be like. It even said like I think um, Ingrid Bergman, in leading up to filming Casablanca, watched Bogart and the Maltese Falcon over and over again to get to know how his how he does things and and mm -hmm. his acting style and everything. His mannerisms, mm -hmm. so interesting. 
I wrote a whole paper on Casablanca during college, so I could nice. also talk about that till I'm blue in the face because we have that in common. <laughs> That's my favorite movie of all time. That that depending on the day, it's either that one or Wally for me. So okay, makes sense. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but before so, I, some I days are a little bit more Casablanca, some days are a little more Wally. You get it. Depends exactly. Do I want a? Do, Wait, I, do want I want an uplifting story, story? <laughs> set in space, or do I want to be something that deals with Nazis and you know the consequences of actions and you know willing to let go to be selfless? I know my favorite. I know so everyone's like, "What do you mean your favorite World War II movie? Is it Indiana Jones?" I'm like, "Have you seen Casablanca?" Seen it? <laughs> Have you seen it? You've never seen it? What? How dare you? Which is really funny coming right. from me to say to anybody. <laughs> How dare you? I got a podcast. I'm going to make you sit on it. And watch. I'm going to make you talk about, I can't believe I've seen it, but you haven't. It's going to be like more. Spin off. The great Patreon tier bonus content. <laughs> it's how we roll. Um, so, so getting into kind of the Maltese Falcon, do you remember the first time that you saw this movie? I was probably like eight or nine when I first watched it because it was Crazy. on TV and my dad, she's like, oh, Maltese Falcon's on TV. <laughs> You're like, let's watch it. Because, you know, it's like the mid 90s. So we, there's only the one TV in the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. stuck watching it. I know. Right. That's exactly yeah. how, how I ended up watching Casablanca is my dad. We were flipping through channels mm -hmm. and it was... I flipped through Turner, Turner Classroom and it just started. My dad literally told me to put the remote down. We're watching this. And I was like, okay, fine, dad. And then I, I was enthralled. There is no one that can deliver a line like Humphrey Bogart. No. Ever. From like, 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 I even remember him, like, the first time I actually saw Humphrey Bogart was actually in a Looney Tunes episode with him and Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Like he's himself, and like he's like, "Did you throw a lemon meringue pie at me?" And I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> like I still remember that. It's like only Humphrey Bogart could get away with sounding intimidating, but like, "Did you throw a pie at me?" Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just everything he does. Like even in this movie, when, um, when they bring uh Jim Cairo, uh Peter Laurie to um o'shaughnessy's apartment or a hotel room and at one point they both stand up and she slaps him and he goes to like hit her back and but hump you know bogey gets in between and he I think the words he says to him is he goes uh when you get slapped you'll take it and you'll I actually like wrote it. that as a note because that scene was so great <laughs> i have it in my notes too because <laughs> i was like no one no one alive today could get away with saying that line like others could try but it was like because it just rolled off the tongue and it's just one of those things where it's like it's believable it's acting but it's just so good and just the way he delivered it it's just like you get slapped and you like and you take it. it's like yeah okay i'm getting slapped for Humphrey Bogart. it's right back down and look humphrey bogart could slap me anytime he wants as long as he delivers lines like that and that's that was i mean that was one of the biggest things with casablanca for me was I think one of my favorite lines because it, it's one of those, these movies that he's in people just don't talk like that anymore no like the scene in casablanca when he's at the bar and the one woman goes up to her she's like where were you last night he goes it's so far back i can't remember she's well i see you tonight because i never planned that far ahead it's like it's so good and it's or, so or in Cas my favorite line of his in casablanca is actually you know 
So night after he sees her, you know, he's drinking and, you know, mm -hmm. Sam's there and he's like telling her, play it for me. Sam's like, I can't. He's like, you could play it for her. You could play it for me. And he's okay. Yeah. Or when she comes in and he looks at her and, and says, tell me, was it Laszlo you left me for? Or were there others in between? Or are you not the kind to tell? It like that's the scene i think of when i think of like the ending of the maltese falcon when he's like i'm not going to be a sap for you yeah when he like starts telling her you know when you're out 20 years i'll wait for you but i hope they don't but the way that he like caresses her neck he's like but i hope they don't hang you by that pretty little neck of yours and you're just like Fuck. like there's nothing more sensual but also oh shit about all yeah. of it it's i'm like because it's little serious like <laughs> because like with movies back then because you know they had to be under two hours for the most right. part and that's one of my notes is like this movie moves fast compared to nowadays so fast. but it's so just fast. like so you literally had the whirlwind romance between the private eye and the damsel in distress and it's just like did he actually truly love her or was he playing her the same way she was playing him and, and right. that whole thing was just like mm, that pretty i was like yeah. ooh, it just got cold in here it did do the yeah, get another like, blanket. Like you can't just pull it up to your neck. It's so good. And I love the style. Because again, like when you start researching this movie and, and how John Huston envisioned everything, he mm -hmm. from from the research I did on it, it looks like like he since this was his first movie and like the first one that he was writing and directing and all of it mm -hmm. he wanted it to be so precise prior to like production starting wrote out every single camera angle how he wanted things shot how he wanted it said and because they were able to shoot it so quickly and so like pretty cheap for that time frame oh, yeah there's very little dialogue that ended up getting cut out which is crazy because it's such a dialogue heavy movie right there's not a whole lot of action there's a couple people bit getting shot yeah but people getting slapped and punched but yeah no it it because you know when people say hey in 1940s hey we're gonna talk like this and we're gonna talk fast like you get only like one or two scenes where they actually talk like that it's like him with the cops that's mm -hmm. how they interact with each other but everything else like i said the pace even though it's a quick movie it does it feels like you're there for the entire you know it feels like a longer story because again because of how he shot it and the way everything is so precise like the one shot where you know he's leaving the fat man's elevator yeah and just as he's going down the go enter the elevator peter, peter laurie enters from the other one right oh my i when when peter laurie walked out of the of the room with wilmer right after bogart gets drugged and he passes out and wilmer mm -hmm. kicks him in the face and like when he and laurie like walked out with the fat man i i very audibly gasped i went <gasps> like was like it just was like oh like because it's you're you know you're hitting that apex mm -hmm. of like this is really hitting the fan right now and you just don't, it's one of those movies who like i there was nothing I could, I, I didn't catch, I didn't catch on and solve it. Like I usually do with most like noir mm -hmm. films or like these mysteries. Or any mysteries like, yeah, like with Glass yeah. Onion, you were probably sitting there going. I, I figured out, I mean, I, I, I loved Glass Onion, figured yeah. it out. I, yeah. I enjoyed Knives Out, figured it figured out. It out. It's one of those things I'm very big on when I watch a mystery movie, you know, because once you get the twist, 
my desire to rewatch it mm-hmm. is not there anymore. Like I don't like now that I know, mm-hmm. depending on what if it's a good movie, I will. But well, like I, I've I've mm-hmm. not gone back and rewatched Knives Out since the first time I saw it. Not that I disliked it since the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I just haven't really wanted to sit down and rewatch it because I know it's not like it's a different type of knowing the ending, I think is how I kind of look at it. Cause like, you know, you're waiting for a twist versus like, uh, gosh, like a usual suspect, like the twist was like, holy shit. Or, right. you know, something like that. Like when you have something like that where it's fun to go back and rewatch in a certain way, for me, certain like mysteries, I just don't have that much of a desire to go back and see. Cause the way that it gets wrapped, I, I don't know. I, this is, I'm weird. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Well, see, for me, I like going back and watching those because I like picking up on the stuff I miss. Because, yeah. you know, certain directors, certain writers, they will drop those hints throughout that you might have missed, you know, first time, right. second time. But the third time, like, and then, you know, when it's usually me, when I hit it, I hit pause, I get up, and the guy's like, I can't, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, in this case, I want to go back and read. Like, yeah. I can't wait to go back and rewatch it when I have like some downtime and like dig into it even more. I, I honestly really want to go back and rewatch the glass onion right now. Cause I really, I enjoyed that one over knives out, which I'm probably offending all 10 of my listeners. I apologize, but uh, you know, my argument is equal. <laughs> there you go. See, look, stay for Eric. Leave, get angry at me. Stay for Eric. Just get angry so, at the woman on the sl- internet. That's how this sl- rolls. Sl- <laughs> slight, well, I, I don't encourage anyone to get mad at a woman online. <laughs> but no, slight detour. So back when I was part of the BJ Campbell Network, I always peached, uh, pitched Jones like, I want to do my own show. That's kind of like this. You know, I was like, because I've never watched the Fast and the Furious movies. So I was like, so this is a good opportunity to go and watch them. I was like, and I want to call it Reels like the first time. <laughs> And then when, like, you know, PJ's like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. You started posting. I was like, nope, she's perfect. I don't need to do this. <laughs> don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> that actually is a great name, and I wish I came up with it. This would make sense why Dan gave you the nickname of Clever Eric. Right. Well, and also my other idea was to uh, get, like, a really crappy, like, karaoke version of, you know, Feels Like the First Time, and then get Chris Clark to sing Reels Like the First Time. <laughs> that's incredible. I'm I'm really upset you didn't do this, but also I'm very glad that right we get to do this do instead. And I'm exactly. I'm happy with this. Exactly. See, you you're, doing, you're better than at this than I ever could. You have tens oh, of things. You're so I would have fine. my oh, mom. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you are too kind. I keep saying I'm going to bring my mom on this on this podcast. Yeah. Promise she doesn't remember shit that we watch. So again, that's it would have to be live. It had to be like a director's commentary. It would be, or would also be, um, are you sure we saw that is the, is the bonus content. I keep saying, if I can get enough people to watch or listen, I'll start a Patreon on flick and reel. And part of, part of the tier will be monthly content every like three months, an episode with my mom, where I try to convince her that, yes, we saw this movie. I'm just going to go through scene by scene and be like, you don't remember. How about this? No. Okay. What about this scene? This one right here. This. No. We were literally in the theater together. (laughs) I have a picture of the ticket stub from when we went to go see it together. It was like mommy daughter day. Like, like, nope, nope. Okay. (laughs) But we digress back to the Maltese Falcon. Um, This. So 
nominated for three academy awards mm-hmm. through this whole time i still should have po- pulled it up and i never did so we'll go 1942 academy awards. awards i always love whenever i go back to um like looking up all the different you know academy awards and everything i love how all the names have like changed for some of the categories oh yeah like, like if you look at the actual <laughs> history of yeah I remember there used to be like the Oscar for like a rising star for like, you know, first time or, you know, child actor. Like if that's a category, I'd be okay with the brought back. Yeah. I think uh, they used to do one for the, for the golden globes. Like they did, like you would have one for, you have, you have like art direction for black and white movie and then art direction for color (laughs) movies in color, you know, like that's for the talkies. Yeah, the talkies. I still can't believe that this was that Citizen Kane lost. But then again, I never saw How Green Was My Valley. So yeah, I was gonna say like I, like I know a lot of people are like I can't believe Citizen Kane lost. Did you watch the other one? No, no. But <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I've never podcast. watched How Green Is Your Valley either. <laughs> <laughs> like to be fair, me either, and right. that is why this chaos commences but sydney greenstreet was nominated for best supporting role for um an actor Mm -hmm. and it was his again first film right great introduction here he is this so it looks like this year i guess i had to put it on my list but i guess like how green was my valley was like the runaway with everything because donald crisp i don't know who that is but he won over sydney greenstreet um there's a lot Okay, I guess we're gonna have to watch how green is your. Guess we're gonna have to watch how green is my valley. Fuck, who wants? Who's signing up for it? It's on the list. I guess I'll do it. (laughs) We'll both watch it for the first time. Oh, that was a John Ford movie. Okay. Oh, that makes a little more sense. He won best director for it. God, I mean, yeah. Okay, it's John Ford. I guess he can win um but yeah so that would be i think that's who won best director who won best picture though is that the year that this one this is really good banter and i'm so glad with yeah so outstanding motion picture went to how yep. green was my valley good good Over. for it good for but you know what you know what it's living legacy is it hasn't appeared on you've never seen it hasn't so what are you gonna that's do right. now motherfuckers i have had a john ford movie on here though i did get to chat with my dad about the man yeah. who shot liberty valance so that was a good time. Yeah, well. Um, and then also uh, seeing uh, David Lynch play John Ford at the end of The Fablemans was quite a treat. I would think. That was my first David Lynch appearance of anything that I think oh, I've wow. ever seen. So, you know. And then went all in on Mulholland Drive for this show right here. That was all fantastic. In. That just was grabbing the cash, just slurring it on the table. I'm so all in. All in. Just real this real diet this is what real dreams are diet. made of <laughs> called bringing it back i love it i love it and we're bracket um that ending phenomenal the yes. way that this movie wraps up every twist every turn and everybody getting theirs in the ends mm-hmm. is amazing like wilmer gets away which is good for him yeah you know he like, was supposed to be the fall guy but he gets away and then as soon as uh, uh, Cairo and, and Fat Man walk out. He immediately calls the cops. He knows where they're going. He's sending them to him. And then he has this big confession with uh, Bridget O'Shaughnessy. And it was the, I mean, 
icing on the cake. Like talk about a reveal. Mm -hmm. It's, it's wild. And it's, I mean, and I love to, it's like, it's one of those things where I felt conflicted watching it because Mm -hmm. Sam Spade's not a good guy. He was sleeping with his partner's wife. Right. Like, I think that's something that's like, uh, that like goes understood. It's like, dude's not a good guy he is literally sleeping with his buddy's wife but yet this movie romanticizes being the private eye right and being skeezy but you're also rooting for him to not go to jail because you know he didn't kill his partner even though the motive is there for it because he's sleeping with his wife right like he was set up he was set up to be the fall guy but right he's like him outsmarting everyone's like no i'm gonna get you all at the end and the one thing I noticed, I went back and started watching a few clips before we had started recording. Mm-hmm. And it, I kept noticing during certain scenes when he's l- watching and interrogating these people and talking to them, he would, if he caught on to something, it looked like he would do like this little smile, like the smirk. Yeah, the and smirk. Was like, and it was always like a quick little, like mm-hmm. a head. And it just, it's those little nuances that Humphrey Bogart was so good at and just works so well and now that i know the ending of this movie it's right, those little it's it. those yeah. little things that he does incredibly well that makes this movie so rewatchable in my opinion oh yeah like when he's like we're gonna have to rewatch maltese falcons oh shucks oh <laughs> twist my arm about no, it do- yeah, yeah. I, I was so excited to watch it because like anytime you get a reason to watch it yeah sit down and watch it oh but for again, sure but it, it's like all, some of the little things like i'd even think about like when i because it's been like a couple of years since i last rewatched this mm-hmm. and like you know when they have like the old title screen with the falcon the maltese falcons my first thought was actually going to the batman the animated series because that's how they would do the introduction to yeah. all the episodes like all that paint and it's like oh i see what you guys did this yeah. is beautiful <laughs> Yeah, I uh, and you get that the music hits and it's just it's the perfect beat. I love this era of Hollywood. Yeah, like this era of film, I absolutely adore, and I feel like I've put a lot of emphasis with this show on this era of film for that reason because mm-hmm. they just you, you they don't make like my like dad says anymore. they don't make pictures like they used to. They don't. They really don't because like. You could, people were, everyone was rolling pictures out all over the place. But when you have something that is done this methodically and this well thought out and just moves and paces and is shot literally in in almost sequential scene order. Right, that's that's unheard of today. Yeah. It's like, okay, we got to get this here, here. So we're starting like with page 52 over here. Then we go over to page one in two weeks. And then we're gotten back to the, this scene. You're like, what? Right. But since they were able to do it in the order for the most part of like how it was done, like they had a few, a few reshoots, but because it went like from scene to scene to scene, it was also super helpful for Bogart and Astrid, all of them, because they're working on the lines as they go. Right. And, and it's, it's like, also the, I'm not sure if you've done any acting, but you know, it's, there's something about, 
because I do like community. Th- I've done stage theater, community mm-hmm. theater. It's like there's something about like being in that moment, you know, capturing that magic. And when you have like a partner you can work off of and you can just be able to like in that moment, just keep going, just keep bouncing right. things off of each other. That is a credit because like nowadays, you know, <laughs> with most of these like big blockbuster Marvel movies or whatever you say, there's times where the actors aren't even physically in the same room. Together. Right. Right. That was like all of like the Spider-Man. I think that's what they said with like Spider-Man homecoming, like the, the bunch of the time, like no one was in the same room together performing. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, but also at the time, like COVID and like everything else that was also going on, but still that's kind of been the thing for yeah. these big movies and they're fun and everything has a place, but when you want to talk about genre defining and you want to talk about like where the, all of these, these things build from, it's from these classics and yeah, there's absolutely. a reason why it's a classic and, and you, you keep wanting to revisit it. Like um, the closest thing I could think of that can compare to the Maltese Falcons is probably the HBO re- remake of uh, Perry Mason. Okay. Like that- that's the closest thing I can think because it's still shot in the noir style, but you still have, you know, Perry Mason is the low life private eye. You have his like personal assistant who's like, it's always a top of the game. I have mm-hmm. always thinking ahead of everyone. And, you know, you have the damsel in distress, all that. Like that's the closest you could think, like closest property I could think nowadays. That's the closest to it. It's good. It's not great. It's no right. Maltese Falcons. But again, think about like if this were to come out today, like there's no way it would be an hour 45 minutes it would either it would have to be a prestige tv series right you know the ending like you talked about earlier everything was tied up no loose ends zero and i love that i love having a movie that has an end like it is clear it is clean i mean i don't mind like a thinker like oh what really did happen right but i'm i i want i i I, i'm a very good this is it we're done there's nothing else left to be said this is what dreams are made of the thing dreams are made of and hand the falcon off to evidence and you go and you walk away like you're ready for your next case like the way he just walks out without a care he's like deuces bro like on to the next like you just the fact that they didn't waste any time to Mm -hmm. take his partner's name off the door like if you look at it, it's like the span of less than a day just to be like the guy's already painting the door like redoing the, it's off the windows like zero like he's just stands there it's like whatever he's dead he knew he the fact that he kept saying like he knew what he was getting into like he knew this was a possibility yeah. well also like just like the great shot of like the like the sun coming in on their on their window you see the logo on the carpet mm-hmm. there and then of course then the next scene is like hey archie here what are you doing bro yeah 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 exactly exactly um i love so a lot of the cinematography too like i so the guy that their their director of photography this guy arthur edison had Mm -hmm. a background that was also with like the apparently with like universal monster films so which i think really made sense with how some of these angles were shot right like that whole scene where the first time uh, Sam is sitting with the fat man and the way that the camera is angled up to the fat man. So he looks more intimidating yeah. and larger. Yeah. And then it's looking directly on with Sam was one of the coolest shots. I think of the movie of, of this, of this whole film 
is that scene right there before he like goes back and takes the drink and you know passes yeah. out but like that conversation where they're sitting across from each other and the way that they are was almost i mean i would say like i would say like breathtaking like i was enthralled with how it was being shot and what it was done with it because it was so purposeful my favorite shot is actually the one where Sam enters the lobby and uh, Williams, you know, he's read the newspaper and like you see, you know, Bogart mm. goes up to the phone and he goes over, he sees him, moves over next to him. He's just like, so, you know, Williams reading the paper and Bogart's just like, pulls up right next to him to the side. And, you know, he's not looking at him, but he's talking right. to him and he's talking him down. Yeah. Like, uh, you're just some dude, some dumb young New Yorker here in San Francisco. You have yep. no idea what you got yourself into. And, and it's such again you talk about genre defining right yeah. that's the thing that you see throughout noir films is people sitting catty corner to each other or there's a wall in between or whatever it is to like have that conversation yeah and it, it was just so and you know just the way it was shot i was like this is my favorite shot in the movie it's a good one that's a really really good one i god i just i loved Love, 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 loved this whole thing. And then, of course, this whole movie, it's one of those two words, this whole movie is all about, like, you don't even know, like, yes, it talks about the Maltese Falcon and everything, <laughs> but you don't know that that's what they're going after. Like, no one actually says the word until right, it's like, like almost an hour into the movie, right? Like, right. Where well, are you're we supposed going? to be like Sam. It's like, why do they keep mentioning this Maltese Falcon? I don't know what this Maltese Falcon is. Right. And then at the end to have it be a fake yeah and have it not even like the payoff for them is and and the it's also one of those things like do you think sam knew it was a fake the entire time or he just got lucky i honestly i think he just got i don't think he knew i don't think he had any he had no idea what he had he was either because i think sam's smart right yeah much like a rick is very smart like a a a, a rick with castle brick blaine is very smart yeah he knew either way turning this falcon in i was getting paid yeah, in some way that's shape, or the form. main motivations to get paid is, is we're making money that's all he cares about because he's a skeezy private eye so he knows he's going to get paid either way he he's like hey i will give this to you i just want i want to get paid and i and i need a fall guy so yeah. it's not me because right now, because that's the other thing too. He's not just solving this to get paid. He's solving it. So he to get out of trouble. Down. Yeah. Yeah. So his motivations are all over the place. So regardless of whether it's real or not, he doesn't care. I don't think he cared. I think he just wanted to get a fall guy and get paid mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I think that's where his motivations were. And then when it ended up being fake, he was right. like, Oh, this is just gravy well, for me. It's great. He's like, I may not get, he's like, I still got this money. So I mean, he's like, I'm going to keep this part for my fee. So he still got paid, not as much, but <laughs> he got his money and he, he got gets paid and he, gets, and he gets the ability to get another payday as yeah. opposed to like having to go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. And then he also gets the answers of who, you know, who killed his partner and yep. who, you know, taking the fall for, for everything else. So I, it's just, it's so smart and how the way that he plays dumb through so much is just they just don't make them like they used to no look at bogart man he's the best he's really the best was. he really really is um another fun fact again because it's on wikipedia it's true this was also 100 true 100 true 
But this was also supposedly or is one of the first 25 films to be selected by the Library of Congress for their um, National Film Registry for being culturally, historical, or aesthetically significant. So and, they have like their whole National Film Registry right. that they do. This is this was one of the first. Yeah, and it checks every one of those marks. Absolutely, and, and, it's you know, going back listening to our, just our conversation on this. It's like because it's weird. Like you know, we think of this as like is this classic film, this genre defining film. It wasn't the first one to do it. It was just the no. best one to do it. It's a remake. Um, yeah, it, it was made ten years prior in nineteen thirty one too. But this is the one that everyone's talked about, right? For a reason. It, Right, it's kind of like you know the Wizard of Oz. It's a remake, but is it the, really? Yeah, there was a silent film version of it that's actually more accurate to the book. And the other thing is, also people forget is the Wizard of Oz was a bomb. It's only gained cultural significance over years, oh. kind of like Maltese. Well, I did the math. Maltese Falcon, like in today's terms, like was made for like about one. It's like under ten million dollars, and it grossed yeah. over thirty. So like that would be a success, but. No yeah. one makes ten dollar, ten million dollar yeah. movies anymore. Like I no, God no. Um, the only one that I can, I mean, Blumhouse is, is pretty good. About yeah, that's the closest. Stuff pretty much under budget. I mean, like I don't know if you ever saw Upgrade. That movie was made for five million. And there's and the it, better Venom movie. The <laughs> with the broke Tom Hardy, not the real yeah. Tom Hardy. <laughs> Right. Like the like when you're like asking your mom, hey, I want Tom Hardy. And she goes, Yeah, Tom Hardy at home. And it's yeah, that Tom Hardy at home. <laughs> it's true. It's very <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not crying, you're crying. Oh, that was great. Where did all these onions come from? I know. <laughs> we have Tom Hardy at home. <laughs> <laughs> you're tom hardy here he is um and yeah add this no. editing just a picture of her holding <laughs> sean right, right here up. right here we're holding it up uh, this, and he's keeping all of this in by the way so there will be no picture of broke tom hardy but <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, i just i love all the because i also love how old hollywood did things like it it, it and and how it was switched starting to switch over later on down the road but like how it was you know each studio had their actors and this was their contract and they could yep. go on loan to this studio and they but they would appear in this many pictures this much which always makes it fun when you go and like read about casting and how like he this is one of those films where like bogart wasn't the first one to be approached for the movie the person that they approached turned it down because he didn't want to work with a new director and had it in his contract that he doesn't do remakes. And it's like, it, it's that whole, like, cause technically this is a remake. It's that whole age old thing of like, how would this movie had differed if it was George Raft versus Humphrey Bogart? It's we like, probably whole, wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. We'd be probably talking probably about not. all the other movies on your list. 100%. It's like, and I always love thinking about that. Like I, one of my favorite, like modern day versions of it is that La La Land was technically supposed to be Miles Teller and Emma yep. Watson and not Ryan Gosling and Emma, Emma Stone. Stone. And I just don't, and you just think about it, like, I, I could not see that working like at or, all. Or like the other one, just from this past year where, Austin Butler was originally supposed to be Rooster and Miles Teller was supposed to be Elvis. Shut up! 
yeah they were supposed to and oh. like fate happened and he got the roles that they were better matched for <laughs> this is very true either way i still got abs shimmying on the beach in an absurd un- yeah. like unnecessary game of sport right in a top gun movie in again for a second for again <laughs> again it's, it's like, poetry it's supposed to what, rhyme <laughs> what a year for a film <laughs> as al pacino said <laughs> once upon a time Hollywood, it's i love those pictures yeah <laughs> what a great film what a year to be alive for a film it's back film's back baby baby <laughs> it was down for the mat but it came back but no like because like if you think about like how hollywood's done today it's not about the movie stars anymore which is weird to think about because like you yeah. need the actors you need to sell them it's about like the deals now that are exclusive it's for the writers directors it's the people who can create the things like you know netflix signing ryan johnson to the exclusive contract to have knives out or right. um hbo saying the guy who did he's making the last of us and chernobyl like no whatever you think of we will throw money at you yeah <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. not about like getting actors into these contracts like I know Channing Tatum always complains about G.I. Joe because he got stuck doing it because of one of those deals. Like, he's like, yeah. I don't want it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But, yeah, yeah. like, we had back in the forest, it was about, like, who can we get to sell this picture? Right. Absolutely. I just think it's so funny that, like, again, according to, according to, the, to the Bible Wikipedia, that uh, George Rapp, this wasn't, like, the first movie that he's turned, that I guess he turned down that ended up being classics. So I don't know what else he's turned down, but um, Bogart was just, I mean, he, this this is, that's who he plays. Yeah. He's grimy and he's New York and he's just, oh, he's so good. You wonder if George was on his deathbed and they're like, hey, do you regret not doing Maltese? Yeah, I'm good with it. (laughs) Fine. Um, I don't do first time directors. (laughs) I don't do first time directors. Uh. But then, of course, like you, and then of course you have people like Green Street. Uh, theatrical debut was known for being on on stage. Mm. Uh, he was sixty one at the time that he got cast. You hear in that, this kids? Movie. Don't give up on your dreams. He was sixty one. He... he was sixty one. He was sixty one. And what's so funny is like it's not even his acting ability that impressed Houston to like put him in the role. It's the fact that he was fat. Yeah, he was like between two hundred and eighty and like three hundred something pounds. Well, it's also and... one of those things where he w- he was a fat guy, but he wasn't a funny fat guy. Right, like, it would have been an old vaudeville act just to be like, "Hey, we got the fat guy who falls down." Right, like, no, no we actually have the fat man who is fat is a serious and scary. actor, and he is intimidating as fuck. He's so intimidating. That whole that whole scene where he's Bogart's back at his at at at, at the, his apartment apartment and he just comes and he sits closer to him and like he goes from sitting far away now he's sitting closer to him and he's poured him a drink and he's handed it to him and he's leaning he's doing that lean with like the hand on the back of the chair as he's staring right at him and just like telling was like what can i tell you about the falcon and he's going through this romantic yeah he's going monologue. through monologue like, it's like an, it's an exposition dump but you're like you're hooked you're in and by- then you realize it's all because he was drugging Bogart and was waiting for him to just pass out. 
And it's just like, and that's, he keeps throwing these numbers and we'll give you 25, you know, thousand for this. Right. And then another and one with this when it sells and like just going or on. Or here's this offer things. or we could do this offer instead. Right. And right. Like, and then that guy's got it all covered. It's like, oh no, he's just drawing him out. He knows how to <laughs> hook and bait him with money. Right. And because he's drugged him and he's passed out and then Wilmer comes in and just kicks him in the face. Mm. Like just, oh, you're like, oh, what a dick move. Um, and again, I love how good Bogart sells things. Like he wakes up and the first thing he's doing is touching the side of his face where right. he got hit. So he's like, what happened? Like, that's where he's putting the, the cold water. And in. well, it's also one of those things like, you know, was makeup that good in the 1940s or did he seriously kick him in the head? And he had right. Well <laughs> exactly. Humphrey had words afterwards. Oh my God. How dare you kick Humphrey Bogart, sir? Um, <laughs> I, so looking back at, I know we, we've kind of talked about like a lot of the different things and scenes and moments, but if you had to encapsulate like your top three moments from this movie, like what would, they don't have to be like in order, but like, what okay. would they be? Well, number one is obviously Sam's introduction because it's just legendary. Like you, you mentioned earlier, just him sitting in the chair rolling the cigarette the yeah. secretary walks in it's just like their banter is so good he's like you want to see her she's a knockout like she yeah. knows she knows who her boss is right she's and, probably you know, slept with him she knows <laughs> i also think she got the job but you know what she's okay with that right she is absolutely steady work <laughs> steady work and you know this guy knows it is good at his job yeah yeah. And his job is getting money. Exactly. So she's uh, always going to be paid. <laughs> yep. Uh, second frame of moments, like the, the reveal of the Maltese Falcons, because it's one of the, because, you know, they've been building it up this entire film and, you know, mm -hmm. you get the package, you get the newspaper and just the slow reveal yeah. of everything. And then finally, the third one's like the one that I mentioned earlier, you know, the corner shot of the, in the lobby, you know, him like talking to him, but not looking at him. Yeah. Those are my oh, top three sure. moments. For sure. Um, gosh, see, now that you mentioned, like, just even like the way that he just like pulls the tobacco bag, that's so fucking good. Right. It's so good. Um, but I still think I, I love the entire dialogue scene with when he's making Miles the fall guy. Like that oh, yeah, conversation. That whole and like, he, he, at one point, like, Green, he's like, I know you're looking at me and you don't want to, but and like just goes through this whole thing and just watching as like Cairo and green sheets are really agreeing with them. Right. And, the slow turn of them going, he's got a very good point. Yeah. And, and the way that they, they knock him out and like lay him on the couch, like, sorry, man, like you, you gotta go, you're going down for it. Like someone has to, it's going to be you. And just like the way that like all of these people are just skeezy human beings. But right, it's one of those things like you're, you're, you're cheering you're for the lesser of the yeah, and it's like you're cheering of like the lesser of four evils. Like you want the private eye to solve the case, but you're also like, God, you're so. I, to be honest, I forgot how much of a piece of shit he was until the movie <laughs> ended, and I was like, No, he was also a piece of shit. Right, like like the way he talked about Miles's wife, like the way that he talked about her widow, and he was like, oh, I should have ended that a long time ago, and now here we are. <laughs> And like, right, like the only good person this entire movie gets shot five minutes in, and that's his partner. Right, and that's his partner. And like, and when, he was a little squeezy too. Where she's like, "Look at this hot woman. Maybe I should go out to her." I saw yeah. her. I talked to her first. Yeah. 
Or like, like at one point, like you see, he's leaning in to like start like making out with her, and they're probably gonna do it. And yeah. he looks up and looks out the window, and there's Wilmer staring up at her her hotel window. Yeah, and like he's just oh, he's such a skis, but I love him so oh, much. I remember there was one moment where like he like just grabs her and kisses her, like because you know yeah. you do that in the 1940s, and I was just like, <laughs> uh, he is so problematic. So, so you can't, you're not if you're like you said, if you're remaking this in this day and age, it's a whole nother thing. It is, it's a whole nother. You're getting like the Sam Spade. Uh, like you're, it's like Columbo, but <laughs> no, I mean, you mystery. could do it. No, you you could do it, but the thing is, like, everyone's going to hate him. Everyone's going to hate him. Sam would have Sam. Sam is the epitome of the Me Too movement. Yeah. In, <laughs> in yeah. The night if the Me Too movement started in 1942, Sam Sam is Sam, canceled. Sam would have been done. Done. So canceled. Um, you would have to go to Istanbul with the fat man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that whole that whole just dialogue of like explaining why this is our fall guy and putting on Wilmer. Absolutely yeah, fantastic. Um I love watching Peter Lorre get slapped and 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 he's like when when Sam gets in between he goes, This is the second time you put hands on me. And yeah. he, he just goes, this is, when you get slapped, you'll take it and you like it. <laughs> just like, which then it's one of the things that I love too that this movie does is it's very realistic with knocking people out and then yeah. bringing them back too. Like, right. it's not like other movies where like people are knocked out for forever and then they're done and they're out. It's like people, like when he first Slowly meets regain Lori, yeah. And he knocks him out and starts going through his stuff. And like as he's finishing going through his stuff, Laurie comes like he's he's coming around. Well, Wilmer starts coming whole, around. Like the first exchange between the two of them, where he's like laughing at him, where he's like, "Yeah, you need to put your hands." And he's just like, "Come on, seriously." Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh my god. Or the way when 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 Bogey disarms Wilmer and like takes both of the, the guns robe. Out. Yeah. 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 Lowers the jacket, takes the guns. So good. It's just so good um and then i like, think that the 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 uh, reveal at the end with with miles and like that whole scene is one of the best reveals oh, yeah. of like uh, one of the best mystery reveals ever like with the ending and he's known this whole he's very clearly known this whole entire time um oh, yeah like, he never uh, believed the story about like the sister's husband like uh right. thornsbury or i forget yeah the, Thur I, he's probably, Thurs, like, Thurs, thursby Thursby, he's, he's like yeah. yeah, he's like one of the best characters you had never see because you, you know never see him right. But this like, whole movie is based on on this guy. Right. And again, it's if crazy. it was made today, like there would have to be a Thursby. Like you, you would have to see who he is because people couldn't fill in the blanks. No, we know? don't. We don't fill in the blanks here. We don't have an imagination. We've nope. been so numbed to <laughs> have an imagination. <laughs> And and that's why nobody reads anymore <laughs> because we can't see things right. in our. And this mind. is based on a book, folks. I know, that's even crazy. I forgot about that. Um, it's just it's it's so good. Everything about it works. Every moment, every line. Every, I love when a movie is done with everything is done with with intention right like yeah. there's a lot of movies out there right now there's a lot of filler there's a lot of like we have the like i can't tell you how many times i've walked out there being like that movie was good but i but. didn't need 
XYZ scene. Or like you've walked out of the theater like, okay, you easily could have cut 15 minutes out of this film. 100%. This one is I was riveted the entire time. Everything felt so purposeful and there well, wasn't yeah. and it's like one of those things like you know people would be like i want more it's like what what could you possibly add to this movie it was right. it's shot this way it's shot to be perfect like this because if you add something it's like i mentioned earlier you know you elongate it's like then you're that's when you get your filler that's when you get like pointless right. scenes but like i don't everything... need to see them going down right. to the paloma and setting it on fire and doing that whole thing like i don't need to see that part of it I don't need to see the salty sea captain get shot before he walks into the office. It's just, you just believe it. At first I thought the secretary shot him. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I was like, like, Effie, you bitch. It's you. It's you the whole time. Uh, (laughs) God damn it. Also, again, another little fun fact I did on my research. The actress that played Effie was originally lined up to play bridget like they had her in mind for 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 that role but then they ended up giving her um the role of effie and again could not see her doing the other thing because she was too light and bubbly and fun and like like that's for for a movie that's actually really serious that's your comic relief yeah she's the guy and also i think she has a better chemistry with bogart because mm -hmm. And I don't think that would have worked if it was more serious. Like, I can't no. imagine him, like, for, you know, being like, some of you love you or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, mm, mm. yeah. No, for sure. But this is just, this was, I love a good, quick, just fast paced. I don't want to say like fun one, but it is a fun watch. Like, it's fun from yeah. start to finish because it's, it, it's so like, it's it sets good tension and suspense and you just want to it's a credit to the storytelling because like, yeah. it doesn't have to be lighthearted to be a fun watch it's if you have a good story and you're telling it well which i know nowadays it's hard to believe that you could do this <laughs> if you do that if you execute those things everything just runs smoothly and that's why yeah. like yeah it's an hour and 43 minutes you can watch it time you know and not even think about that because you're so intrigued you're invested in this story right even if you know the twist even if you know it's not the real maltese falcon you are invested like what what is sam's end game is mm-hmm. really the mystery of this movie it's not who has the package who's the fat man it's what's sam gonna do to get out of this right how is he how is he gonna save his own ass and i think his reaction to the falcon being fake always oh, it's one of the best reactions of that movie where he's just like huh, sucks to suck right like, sucks to be he's you. not mad like he's like whatever i'm gonna let's figure out the rest of this mystery but let me count my money yeah exactly but the face that but how green street and Lori react to it and like how they're just right it's they're they're devastated they're shocked they thought like you know like we mentioned indiana jones earlier this is the last crusade like they thought they had the holy grail yeah it, you nope. chose poorly, poorly. <laughs> is what happened there um it's so funny to watching and listening to Lori too saying you know so and so you you clearly he realized how much it was back in istanbul because you kept talking about it or asking about it like it's just uh perfect cinema one of the best i was probably for like out of everything that i have seen probably one of the and it could be a recency bias i don't think it is one of the best movie endings of all time 
that I, I, like, it's, it's, it's gonna be, like, in my top 10 list of, like, best movie endings ever. Right, guys, like, it's, I know it's everything you've been looking for, it's the solid mystery, it's the solving everything, no loose ends, and you just get that great shot of him, like, handing it over to the cops as he walks down the stairs. Zero, he doesn't care, he has, he does not give a shit about finding this, like, he does not care, like, all these people obsessed with this, with, with riches and gold, and just does not care. And I right. think that he just needs enough money to keep going to the next week, next month. It's it's wild. Oh, it's so good. So I think with that, talking about the ending, this is a great time to go into my letterbox and rate it as we do every episode out of five stars. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let me if I can remember how to work letterboxed, which I do. Uh, hooray! hooray! Here we go. Maltese Falcon, John Houston. Um, this is a absolute five star film. No five if star. ands or buts. It, yeah, it's no. five stars. It's it's probably as I because I'm making another list my of the 2023 movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on again like ranking all of them. Yeah, like you did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, Back to School is in first place, followed by You've Got Mail, then Cliffhanger. Uh. I, you know, this might, this, this might even knock back to school into second place. Like this might be my number one. I got to think on it for, for another day or so. I don't right. want to like, you, you don't go the full recently bias. But, yeah, I get that. But I really do think that this is, this is my new number one so far for, for, and if this is honestly with all of these episodes so far, if this is any indication of like what, I mean, granted, I know what I got coming up and it's not an indication of how the rest of the year with this podcast is going to go. Cause I well, already you know. need to tell me you don't expect Buddy Plane to be the new number one movie. <laughs> coming, coming soon. <laughs> this is going to be my new number one when that happens. Still so blind. I have no idea. So if you guys are leaving comments or anything, do not say anything about Money Plane. I know that Kelsey Grammer is in it. I know that Edge, a.k.a. Adam Coleman, is in it. And that is it. I don't know who directed it. I don't know jack shit about it. And I don't want to know, so don't ruin it for me. I forget <laughs> how I found out about it. I just know I I think it was the Honest trailer. And I was just like, I had to watch this film. There you I go. Have, I, I have to. And it was on Hulu. So I was like, I ha- I'm not paying it's for happening. it. I have to watch it. <laughs> it's perfect well before we fully sign off here eric why don't you let everyone know where they can find you if you got anything going on uh you can find me on twitter at handsome underscore cheese i don't i'm like the lone wolf of film twitter it seems like like i just go roam where i need to comment where i need to and you know i don't really have a home so no real project but you know if you're always looking for a voice to someone to talk to i'm always here for you love it and to all of you who are either watching or listening thank you so much please be sure to hit that subscribe button uh right here on flick and reel to subscribe to our channel so you can see episodes of this as well as all of our trailer reactions reviews our friday night speakeasy lots of fun stuff coming down the pike be sure to hit that like button as well it really helps with the algorithm and getting Mm -hmm. people to see the show uh leave a comment as well let me know your thoughts on this movie and on any of the other episodes so far you can if you're listening on what your audio platform of choice please make sure you've also subscribed rate and reviewed you can follow the show on twitter at never seen at fnr you can follow me as well at allison salamony on twitter and until next time my friends be safe 
I'm just going to go watch some more movies. See ya. Slap that like button like you're Humphrey Bogart slapping <laughs> shit. You lord. Like it. Like it and you'll like it. You'll like Bye, it. guys. <laughs>